Welcome to the Starting Line Church Sermons Podcast. Here at Starting Line Church, we are all about helping people embrace that there is more to life through Jesus. This sermon was first given at Starting Line Church in Cleveland, Ohio. Well, hi, everybody. Welcome to Starting Line Church. My name is Al. I'm one of the pastors here, and it is just good to be with you today, wherever and whenever you are watching. Um, I'm thankful that you're with us and that we get to um, be together today. I can't believe that we're already in uh, halfway through February, and uh, today we get to finish up our series, and it's just, it's crazy. I feel like this year has already gone by really fast, um, but we're finishing our series on the book of James that we started at the beginning of the new year, and we hope and pray that it has been encouraging for you, and it's been one that's been very practical uh, to you in your faith in Christ. If we remember from the first week, we talked about how this book was written by James, who is the half-brother of Jesus and a leader in the Jerusalem church. And in it, he gives us really some important and tangible reminders of how Christians should be living and acting and expressing our faith in the world. He encourages us, he challenges us, and he even gives us a couple examples, a lot of examples of people in the past to model after. Well, to finish off his letter to the Christians scattered at this time, he ends with a story about a man just like us. It was part of a really impactful, miraculous thing that happened. So in our passage today, James, we're we're in chapter 5, he reminds us um, just of the awe that we see and experience in the power of God at work in our lives. In James 5, he sets the stage of the importance of prayer. We've talked about this before, but prayer is intentional communication with God. And in this passage, he communicates that whether you're suffering, whether you're sick, whether you're ill, whether you're experiencing great joy, or whether you're living just simple life as you know it, prayer should be an active part of it. Prayer should be a response to whatever is going on. Prayer shouldn't be our last resort or something we do when all else fails or when all hope seems lost. So as followers of Jesus, our most powerful resource that we have in our toolbox can be used as in communication with God, communion with God through prayer. That's what we're called to do in every situation, in every circumstance, and in every day as we lean into the Spirit of God as he guides us. So, So James, he sets the stage about the importance of prayer, and then he ends the letter with telling a story from the Old Testament. The Old Testament is all the books of the Bible that take place from creation, the creation of the world until Jesus was born. So we're going to be in James chapter 5, starting in verse 16, where he's talking about prayer. And this is what he says. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Elijah was as human as we are. And yet when he prayed earnestly that no rain would fall, none fell for three and a half years. Then when he prayed again, The sky sent down rain, and the earth began to yield its crops. 
So James, he's actually quoting another story from years and years ago uh, to, to finish this letter to these Christians. Now, and, and I would say that if he's doing that, it's probably a pretty important story. He's trying to use this in a, as an example for us. And he references this man named Elijah. So Elijah, he's a prophet of God, which means God would tell him things to go tell people and he would be the spokesperson to go tell the message to go deliver the message. Now, Elijah did a lot of his ministry during King Ahab's reign. And we know that King Ahab is, was very evil. He was a very evil king. And in fact, a couple times he's referred to as one of the worst and the most destructive kings that Israel had ever seen. He was bad news. So during his reign, God tells Elijah, hey, pray for a drought to happen in Israel, that no rain would fall for years. So Elijah begins praying for this boldly, and he goes to tell King Ahab that this is going to happen. And what we learn over time is that it indeed happens. So this is what James is referring to here when he says, Elijah prayed earnestly that no rain would fall, and none did. But then there's more to this story that, that there's a kind of a, a gap that James doesn't recap for us. So we're going to talk about it now. During this drought, things continued to get really bad in Israel under King Ahab's authority. And one day, Elijah, he has this interaction with King Ahab on Mount Carmel. And one of the things that, that made King Ahab so bad was that he pledged his loyalty to a pagan god named Baal who was associated with a lot of evil. And so Elijah, he persuaded Ahab in this interaction to offer a challenge to the 450 priests of Baal. 450 Baal worshipers and one Elijah as the single follower of God would each be given a bull to sacrifice. And whichever God sent down fire must be the real God and the most powerful. So the Baal worshipers, they go first because they, they really thought that they were going to win this. And so they dance and they sing and they shout, but nothing happens. They tried all these different things. They tried talking to their God and doing all these crazy things, but there was no response. So after this, watching this nonsense go on for a while, Elijah called the people of Israel together to witness what was going to happen when he prayed to God about this. So he gets his animal sacrifice ready. He drenches the altar in water so that when God would send down fire, it would be even more miraculous because obviously when something is wet, it's difficult to catch on fire. I love that part of the story. And in 1 Kings, we're going to read what happens. 1 Kings chapter 18, this is what it says. At the usual time for offering the evening sacrifice, Elijah the prophet walked up to the altar and prayed. O Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, prove today that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant. Prove that I have done all this at your command. O Lord, answer me. Answer me so these people will know that you, O Lord, are God. And that you have brought them back to yourself. Immediately the fire of the Lord flashed down from heaven and burned up the young bull, the wood, the stones, and the dust. It even licked up all the water in the trench. 
So the prayers that he's praying for the drought and then the prayers he's praying here were, were these bold and faithful prayers. And he's seeing the things that he's talking to God about happening right before his eyes. And we don't just stop here. After this miraculous moment of proving who God is, Elijah prayed that after all this time without rain, the rain would come so that the drought in Israel would end. This is what James is referring to when he says he didn't, he prayed for a drought and then he prayed that it would end. And so Elijah prays that this drought would end and it ends. After all these years, no rain. After all these years in a drought, he prays for rain and the heavens open up. This is what James is talking about. Elijah prayed for a drought and a drought happened. He challenged the Baal worshipers. He prayed for fire to come down and God proved his power. He prayed for rain to, to come and end the drought and it did. Like, this is insane. Like, this is crazy. Do we understand what all has happened? Obviously in a very short, condensed, quick version. Through the bold prayers of Elijah's miracle after miracle took place right in front of his eyes. He watched his prayers and his conversations with God make a difference time and time again. And what I think we get amazed by, where I think we get amazed by that, I think it's easy to look at this story and see James quote this in this letter to the early Christians and think, wow, Elijah's an example. Wow, Elijah's amazing. Wow, Elijah's a man of faith and of courage and of trust. He is something special. But I want to read part of what James says here again. Elijah was as human as we are. And yet when he prayed earnestly, none fell for three and a half years. Then when he prayed, the sky sent down rain. Elijah was as human as we are. Did you catch it? Other translations say Elijah was a human just like us. The Elijah who prayed for a drought who challenged the Baal worshipers and won and prayed that God would bring rain to end a three-year drought in Israel isn't anything special. He isn't God. His humanity isn't any different than ours. Elijah was as human as we are. He is like us. We are like him. In Elijah's humanity, he prayed boldly. definition of bold is fearlessness and confidence. It's showing or requiring a strong spirit that's not afraid of the outcome when doing something. In this case, Elijah had this kind of boldness because he knew that he had nothing to fear with God. And so in his boldness, he prayed these bold prayers. It's pretty fearless to pray for a drought, that fire from heaven would come down and then the drought would end after three years later. And James is telling us here that if Elijah prayed boldly, then we should too, because he is like us. So what does this look like? Praying boldly is when our communication with God turns from casual conversation into diligently praying for something so big and so drastic that the only way it can be answered and explained is because of a move of the Holy Spirit. 
So there are a couple things that I think are just reality when it comes to praying boldly. Two things. Number one, praying boldly requires trust. It requires trust. It's an exercise for trusting God really more than it is to get the answer that we want when we're praying. We're tempted to want a one week or a one month or a one year supply of God's provision and guidance. But God wants us to drop to our knees every day in raw dependence on him and to trust him each and every breath. Through praying bold prayers, through asking for things that only God can do, we actually live out our trust. We exercise and express trust in praying that way. So we can pray for something bold with the right intention, the right faith, and the right heart. But ultimately, it's a trust exercise to the one who sees and knows it all. Will our prayers always get answered in the way we want? No. Does praying boldly mean we just command God to do things in the name of Jesus? No. Acting out trust is the goal of praying boldly, not getting what we pray boldly for. Because sometimes God's plans are better than ours, and our unanswered prayer might mean that God has a better answer. Number two, praying boldly brings glory to God. See, courageous prayers, bold prayers, are not just about you. They aren't just about me. It's not just about giving God this big long list of all the things that we want to happen. Praying boldly is about God. And God loves it when we do this because it shows our dependence on him. There's nothing that God loves more than keeping his promises, than answering prayers, than performing miracles and fulfilling dreams. That's who he is. That's what he does. That's a part of his character. He loves showing off his power and showing up in unexpected ways at, in, at, unexpected, ways at unexpected times. I've heard this question asked many times in various contexts, and I want to share it today. If all your prayers were answered tomorrow, how many of them would impact someone or something other than you or your circumstances? Asking ourselves, will this prayer bring glory and honor to God in this world or will it just keep me and help me and my family and my situations? When Elijah prayed these prayers, God is shown for all to see. His glory was expressed and people were left in awe. Praying boldly is about doing that. It's about glorifying God. So if our prayer is answered, we can say, look at my God. Look who he is. That's the point. There's this quote from a book called The Circle Maker, and this is what the author says about bold prayers. He says, bold prayers honor God, and God honors bold prayers. He isn't offended by your biggest dreams and boldest prayers. He's actually offended by anything less. I think it's so unique that we get to communicate so intentionally and authentically and easily to the living God like this. Think about it. The sovereignty of God, the holiness of God, the magnitude of God, the creator of everything that exists, the one who the wind and the waves obey at the sound of his voice. We get to communicate with that God about our life, our emotions, 
our desires, our fears. I hope we don't miss the wonder of that and that in that, see that our prayers are so important. Elijah was as human as we are. That's what James wants us to be encouraged by today. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, we thank you that you ask us to pray boldly. And that requires trust. And the point is bringing honor to you. We thank you for being a part of that, that we get to be a part of that. God, we pray that whatever we're thinking or feeling, that we would just lean on your spirit to show us that prayer matters. Give us direction and guidance on what to pray for. God, what are the bold prayers that you have asked us to pray, whether it's about our family or the world or a situation or someone coming to know you, whatever that looks like, I pray that you would allow ourselves this week to pray boldly about those things and to make them a part of our lives. We love you, Jesus. We thank you for your word. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to our sermon podcast. If you want to learn more about Starting Line Church or to help support our ministry here, check us out at www.startingline.church.